Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Exploring how we can master ourselves by looking at how authors and experts say it is possible. With your host, Shashiti Basu. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 87 of How to Be with me, Shashiti, as your timid presenter, guiding you through life's tricky topics and skills by reading through the best books out there. Breakups can be difficult to deal with, especially because they can stir up feelings of rejection, alter your daily routine make you feel generally upset. If you've ever struggled to get over a split, you know that the post-breakup ache is unlike any other. Going through a breakup and experiencing emotional pain can affect the physical body apparently. It can lead to changes in eating habits, reduced motivation, anxiety and depression. So, what is the effect of heartbreak? Here is Tanya Onkovich, who is a public speaker executive mentor, skilled expert in mastering resilience, and the author of Grief to Greatness on her thoughts. If today is feeling like a difficult day for you, then I invite you to listen to my brief message. Decide that today is not going to be wasted, that despite the pain and sorrow you may be feeling, you will not allow this state to dominate your day. You will choose differently. One way to change how you feel is to stand up and move your body, as tempting as it may feel to do nothing during this time. I assure you that this will begin to create a shift for you. Do it now if you wish. Whilst you are listening to me, stand up, move your body, dance if you wish, and then stay still. Then breathe and put your hand on your heart. As tempting as it is to remain in your head and think about everything else you should be doing, remain still and allow yourself this time. Our first book is from Annie Lord, who is Vogue's dating columnist. She also writes for Vice, The Sunday Times, The Telegraph, New Statesman, 
ID, The Guardian and Dazed. Her first book, Notes on Heartbreak, was published in 2022. It was great speaking with her. Hence, here's a snippet of our chat. But find the full interview on www.howtobe247.com or on the YouTube channel. I suppose we've got more of the tools to do kind of, we're a bit more emotionally intelligent a lot of the time and I think therefore we get given the tools to look at our behaviours and where they come from and where we went wrong and all that stuff and I don't know, yeah, I definitely notice like a lot of guy friends when they have breakups they seem to just kind of bounce back really quickly but because they don't do that same processing it takes a long time, they actually end up taking a lot longer to feel okay again whereas women I think you feel really bad initially and then you they sort of work through that quite quickly in a few months. That was like one thing that I struggled with a lot when the breakup happened was the idea that in order to move on, you always, it sounds like you need to forget what you both shared. That really upset me because I hate that idea that, you know, those years you spent together might end up being a waste. But obviously I want to feel better, but it just felt part of feeling better is forgetting that person. But as it went on, like I think I realised you don't necessarily have to forget you know, you can know that you spent that time together and it was beautiful and worth something, but just not dwell in it. I mean, I quite like dwelling in my feelings that like, I'll walk around somewhere that we used to walk around together and get a big stab of pain, but I quite enjoy it. It's like picking a scab or something. Like I quite like being softy about stuff <laughs> and like being a bit Lana Del Rey about everything, being a sad girl. You're losing that person and it's almost a different dimension of pain and that you have to get your head around the fact that they're living their life without you in it and that's always it's own unique pain because it's like how dare you not let me be a part of that and the thought that they're doing things and you don't know about them and talking to people and growing is so painful because you're just so used to doing everything with that person I think the thing is it just <laughs> they are very similar um and I think what I found initially was I found it very painful that it hurts so much but it's not really taken as seriously as it feels like it hurts like I remember as soon as the breakup happened sort of looking around me and thinking is this what everyone was talking about the whole time that like, this is how bad it hurts because you know you hear about people being heartbroken all the time it's something that most people go through and I just couldn't believe that it would be this bad um I think almost as a society we don't take it as seriously as we should because it feels like something's been wrenched out of you it's so horrible Oh, wow. Um, I guess it's just not when we're grown up, like it's just not seen as an emotion that we have, we can access or should access. Like we're more taught to be caring and uh, make everyone else feel comfortable. And I think it just, when something does happen that you should be angry about, you just second guess it and are more likely to, I don't know. I think I've always been taught, you know, the way we win is to just kind of disappear and be aloof and then they'll miss us so much that they'll want to come back and that if you express any anger you'll sort of put them off you or you'll be crazy and I think it was quite liberating at certain points just thinking no I feel angry and I'm gonna be true to myself and how I'm feeling and show that anger rather than being all sweet and like oh if I'm perfect he'll come running back and that kind of thing yeah we used to get on I mean I don't want to talk for him but <laughs> yeah no we get on and stuff but we don't, I mean, we're, we're exes, so I guess quite a typical ex-relationship and that we sort of see each other rarely. I think it depends on the relationship. I think it's natural in some ways that you do become more and more similar. Like, even with my flatmates I live with now, I've noticed we just start using the same words and we'll go and think something at the same time. We'll be like, oh, 
yeah, let's go there. Or like, you know, um, I think you become a bit symbiotic with people and you spend time with them. And that's really nice. And I think sometimes at the minute with people talking about self-love a lot, it's always like people are starting to think that it's bad to rely on someone in any way. And that we're all these individuals that shouldn't need anyone else. And I think that's sad. I think we do need people and, you know, your problems becoming their problems really helps. Like, I even like it when friends start, you know, I'll be upset about something and they go, oh, we'll sort it out and use the word we and it just makes you feel so much less alone with stuff. So I think in one sense it's good. I think you can also, it is difficult, especially when you're younger, when you're in a relationship, like a serious one for the first time to not just completely absorb each other. And it's such an intense love that I think it can feel so much more important than everything else, like your friends and family and work. And that's kind of fun in a lot of ways because it's super intense, but it's not something I'd want to do again. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think if I fell in love again, like the things I'd be a lot better at. I'd, I'd just think about myself more and I put it in the book, but I just remember my mum saying something like, oh, when you fall in love the second time, you always keep something back. I didn't really know what she meant by that, but I think I do. Like it might not be something specific, like oh, I'm not going to tell them this thing about myself, but just in general, you just keep a bit more of yourself secret. Lord's debut memoir delves into the dissolution of a five-year relationship with Joe, which is not his real name, but it encompasses much more than that. It encapsulates the experience of residing in subpar, overpriced house shares in London, indulging in futile online shopping, engaging in excessive drinking, pursuing fitness at the gym, cherishing friendships, and recognising that sometimes only your mother can truly comprehend you. Essentially, the book captures the essence of youth, and the process of discovering oneself in a world filled with exhilaration, conveyed through Lord's enthusiastic and refreshingly relatable perspective. Lord has emerged as a prominent voice on topics of sex, relationships, and navigating one's twenties. A candid and uninhibited commentary, reminiscent of conversations held in smoking areas, has earned her recognition for discussing everything from dating apps like Hinge to the concept of ghosting. The author embarked on writing this book in 2021, taking us on a journey starting with a numbing shock of the initial incident that occurred in the summer of 2019, a melancholic and subdued encounter outside King's Cross Station in London. Throughout the stages of grief, she skillfully intertwines humour, a defining aspect of her journalistic endeavours. Reflecting on her early separation, she amusingly muses, I'll rent a Jean-Luc Godard film, using his dad's Curzon home cinema account that I'm still logged into on my laptop, hoping he'll recognise my choice and ponder my cleverness. The first stage is a level of denial and numbness where she writes, I don't feel anything at first. I'm actually laughing by the time I get home for dinner. She says, you'll never effing believe what's just happened. I tell our flatmate Molly and she pauses Mario Kart and bites her lip, bracing for the punchline. He dumped me, I say, and she jerks back so suddenly the cat jumps off her knees and runs into another room. And then comes the bargaining aspect. Lord rolls through all the possibilities of why it could have happened. She asks, was it my bloated, too much plastic cheese stomach? Or when I made him list the Kardashians in order of hotness and then screamed that he was wrong when he placed Courtney so far down? 
She talks about pain being so difficult to convey to others that in 1971, two scientists developed the McGill Pain Questionnaire to help medical patients explain to doctors the precise nature and dimension of their affliction. Overall, there are 20 sections, and throughout each, the patient must choose which adjective best aligns with what they are feeling. Is it flickering, pulsing, quivering, throbbing, beating, pounding, or is it jumping, flashing, shooting? Is it even pricking, boring, drilling, stabbing? There are another 64 adjectives to choose from, and she talks about the physical pain aside from the emotional pain that comes with heartache. Apparently, broken heart syndrome is a dangerous disorder that causes chest pain, breathlessness, and low blood pressure. Most patients recover, but research shows that the condition can scar and weaken the heart muscles. It is known formally as Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. The medical world recognizes it as a temporary condition where sudden emotional upset or other physical stress can cause the apical ballooning of the heart's left ventricle. It distorts and enlarges so that it narrowed at the top and swells outwards at the bottom. The Japanese word takotsubo is the name of an octopus trap with a similar form. The octopus can get into the circular trap, but there's not enough room for it to manoeuvre itself to turn around and get out. And in Victorian times, women would mourn the death of a loved one by fitting small vials called lacrimatory bottles with their tears. By the time the liquid had evaporated, the grieving period would be over. Lord adds, I like to measure my tears too, to see my suffering quantified, categorised. Tears are said to flush out adrenocorticotropic hormones, which cause high stress levels so that you feel calmer while also triggering the release of natural opiate leucine encephalin, which reduces pain and improves mood. That's why you feel such an abounding looseness when the tears have all come out, like a blow-up bed drained of air. However, there is plenty of false rhetoric which makes heartbreak even more challenging. Lord mentions Plato's Symposium, where Aristophanes, a famous Greek theatre and comedy writer, explains the myth of soulmates. According to Aristophanes, humans were originally created with four arms, four legs, and a head with two faces. Fearing their power, Zeus split them into two separate halves, condemning us to spend the rest of our lives looking for that other part. According to Aristophanes, love is the pursuit of that lost wholeness. Each of us is a mere tally of a person, one of two sides of a filleted fish, one half of an original whole. We are all continually searching for our other half. This is what she writes. She felt that it was the fact that Joe and her were opposites that they found each other. But apparently scientists carried out a study to test the physiological effects of being in a relationship. 32 couples were asked to sit a few feet away from each other in a quiet, calm room, but not to speak or touch. They were connected by heart rate and respiration monitors and told to mirror the movements of one another. The findings revealed that both partners showed almost identical patterns of heart rate and respiration. The couples were then asked to perform the same exercises with a stranger. This time, their hearts did not show synchrony, nor did their breathing match, so perhaps it's less about opposites attracting, or more that we fall into similar patterns. 
She also realizes that dealing with a breakup is unlike any skill you will ever learn. The world teaches you that in order to fix things, you have to just do. But it's the total reverse with a breakup because you can't go seeking your ex. It's about time for healing. She also learns about the people around her who've been through it before, whether it's her gran or her mother, telling her about past loves. And she begins to realize that she remembers only parts of Joe that she wants to remember. After his wife died, C.S. Lewis found himself frustrated at the process by which his image of his wife became increasingly inaccurate. He writes, Slowly, quietly, like snowflakes, like the small flakes that come when it is going to snow all night, little flakes of me, my impressions, my selections, are settling down on my image of her. The real shape will be quite hidden in the end. One school of scientists believe that memories are not singular occurrences that we return to, but rather endless repetitions of that memory, and the memory of that memory, and that memory, and so on. There is no stable memory fragment, or what is often called a trace. Instead, we create a new trace each time to house the thought, meaning each memory is a mere copy of a copy. Each one is a more distant reconstruction of the first. However, when Lord's grief is heightened, she feels like she'd rather be stuck in a moment with Joe, as she struggles to reconcile forgetting him and moving on. And so many poems and works come to her as she attempts to find her way through the heartbreak. Suddenly, all the words make sense. She is reminded of a line from Sharon Old's poem she wrote after her husband divorced her. I guess that's how people go on without knowing how. Lord mentions A Widow's Story, a memoir written by Joyce Carol Oates, about her husband Ray's passing. She describes a weekend she spent with a friend. Despite her pain, she was able to make small talk, contribute to conversations on the latest political scandal. To make sense of how she managed such a feat, Oates refers to an idea from the philosopher Leibniz. According to him, the universe is continuously collapsing and continuously reassembling itself through eternity. In her grief, Oates sees herself in this endless process of renewal and destruction. Lord quotes this passage, I've come to think of myself, my personality, as an entity that collapses when I'm alone and unperceived by others, but then, as if by magic, when I am with other people, my personality reassembles itself. This is where Lord says she sees herself in this process too. She writes, it's why I cling on so hard to other people, because social etiquette demands that I hold myself together in some sort of shape. Alone, I just disintegrate. This reveals the importance of leaning on support networks during this time. Her friends are also able to give her advice when she has less clarity. In this case, her friend Mole tries to get her to part with Joe's belongings. Lord says, these things are all that tie him to me. Once they're gone, there will be no reason for us to talk. Whilst Mole tells her like it is, that's exactly why it's not okay for you to have it. And any hang-ups she had over herself were suppressed as over time, she learned to love her body through his own love. Through borrowing his eyes, as she puts it, she adds, but now you're gone and my eyes no longer like what they see. And that's part of the problem. 
all of it begins to resurface, all the insecurities, the moment it was over. In this case, she felt self-conscious about her body, and hence she returns to the gym straight after and begins calorie crunching. It is a sense of control where she feels she's lost it. After her husband left her for another woman, Lord talks about Sharon Olds again and the fact that she cursed herself for the arrogance with which she sleepwalked into his departure. In her poetry collection, Stag's Leap, she writes, I did not work not to lose him, and I lost him. Lord reflects that there were mistakes from Joe and from me, but the very act of not seeing this coming, of not believing it could happen, is a mistake all on its own. Lord and Joe seemingly spend a few times together before they finally call it quits. She is aware that she may have given away something in the process and says, it's supposed to be humiliating what I've done, letting the one who said he didn't want me have all of me so much that he's literally inside my body. Romantic comedies always build to this climax where one of the characters realises all that they've neglected and how perfect the one they've been ignoring really is. When they run to the airport to stop them from getting on a flight to wherever they're going, they always make a big speech. And in this big speech, it's always the mistakes that they focus on. She brings up when Harry met Sally, along came Polly, but also the 90s classic, 10 Things I Hate About You. Kat reads that poem in front of the class, which starts, I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. Only for the last line to be, but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close, not even a bit, not even at all. The bits that are wrong are always the bits that make them want to stay. She writes that love also turns us all into cannibals, or that's what French feminist Alain Cézou says in her essay, Love of the Wolf. We want the other to swallow us up into them so we no longer know who we are. She writes, want me down to the marrow, sign my death with your teeth. We love, we fall into the jaws of the fire, we can't escape it. For Sisu, excitement comes in at the boundary between wanting to be eaten and wanting to survive. This is the tension, the thrill of love. What she comes to understand is that her identity disappeared all on her own by merging with someone else. In The Second Sex, Simone de Beauvoir describes the way women lose their identities when they fall in love with men. She says... The centre of the world is no longer where she is, but where her beloved is. All roads lead from and lead to his house. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. 
She uses his words and repeats his gestures, adopts his manias and tics. I am Heathcliff, says Catherine in Wuthering Heights. This is the cry of all women in love. She is another incarnation of the beloved, his reflection, his double. She is he. She lets her own world flounder in contingents. She lives in his universe. The reason women in love acts this way, identifying with all the man's values and actions, according to Beauvoir, is because she sees it as a route out of subjugation. Women cannot walk down the street without being shouted at. They are interrupted when they are talking. Men can actualize themselves in a world in ways that she cannot, and seeing this, the woman seeks to transcend her social status by merging with him. This is what love is, obliterating yourself into this more powerful being. With that, she waves goodbye to her identity, to all the things that made her in order to become part of his value. Ultimately, Lord finds acceptance, a pivotal moment occurring when she sits on the edge of her bed, wrapped in a towel, embracing a state of profound meditation. It is here that she resolves to continue being kind to myself, indulging in lavish takeaways solely for her enjoyment, going on walks and watching enigmatic films because life can be exquisite if she grants herself permission to embrace it. In a world where earnestness can often feel excessive, an online irony reigns supreme. Lord's tone strikes a balance. She wholeheartedly embraces self-deprecating humour and phrases her sorrowful sentiments in a manner one would use when confiding in a friend. This is largely attributed to her unwavering dedication to portraying the unique nature of her own experiences. Unlike many who strive to cater to diverse audiences or seek universal approval, Lord simply lays her own life bare on the pages, offering it to us in the hopes that we may find glimpses of ourselves within its narrative. Our final book is from Susan J. Elliott, J.D. M. Ed, who is an author, attorney, grief counsellor, divorce coach, podcaster, motivational speaker and media commentator. She is the host of the Mean Lady Talking podcast. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in English from Mount Holyoke College, where she graduated magna cum laude with high honours and Phi Beta Kappa, a Master of Education from Cambridge College and a Juris Doctor from the University of California, Berkeley School of Law. We're looking at her book, Getting Past Your Breakup, How to Turn a Devastating Loss into the Best Thing That Ever Happened to You. I think that why it's so popular is because people need to realize that when the person you love doesn't love you, it's time to do what the article suggests, which is to reject the rejecter. It's very important, so important, that the only way that you're going to be able to move on from somebody who doesn't love you the way you want to be loved, who doesn't love you the way you love them, is that you have to start rejecting the rejecter. There's many things that keep us from doing this. The number one thing is that you search and you search and you think and you think that there's something you can do to make this person care about you again. You become obsessed with it. You start thinking you'll change, you'll do better, you'll be this, you'll be that, I'll be thinner, I'll be more outgoing, I'll write to his mother, you know, I'll I'll become friends with her brother, I'll do this, I'll do that. And now is the exact wrong time to be doing that. You shouldn't have to change for someone else to love you. You should know who you are and you should believe in who you are and you should 
feel confident that you're the right person for the right person who will appreciate you. And that's number one on the list. You have to have someone who appreciates you. And if someone's walking out the door, they don't appreciate you. And there is somebody who will. I'm a big believer in don't change for somebody else. But there's a caveat to that. If you're in a relationship and you know there's things on you, you know, about you that you need changing, perhaps you've had issues with this this trait or habit or whatever it is in other relationships and somebody might bring it to your attention, you might want to change if you think that this is going to be the end of your relationship. Only if you've thought about it before, only if you've recognized, yes, this is a detriment to my relationships and maybe I should do something about it. Breakups propel us into some of the most confusing, devastating and emotional periods of our lives. Your perspective on the entire world can be turned upside down in the wake of a breakup. To start rebuilding and setting things right side up again, you need to embark on a new journey. The destination is an entire life designed to make you happy with yourself. One of the first instincts after a relationship ends is to pinpoint what you did wrong and how things could have ended differently if something about you were different. If you're experiencing these thoughts, it's time to show them out the door. Elliot says, they're fueling a desire to change for someone else, but not yourself. She also writes to acknowledge that you need to heal and take measures to start your healing journey. At the end of any relationship, there is a significant sense of loss. You might feel strange trying to do all your usual routines that were significant to you and your ex, but think about it this way. This is a chance to improve yourself and discover new things along the way. Pain has one positive trait. It can motivate you to reassess your life in ways you wouldn't think of if you were comfortable. Three essential skills will help you progress from the beginning. One is observe. Become more aware of everything going on in your life, from experiences to emotions. Two, prepare. Anticipate the unexpected and how you'll respond. Three, cultivate. Incorporate positive changes into your life that will last for the long term. Hence, she believes to start today by putting yourself first. Be selfish with your time, attention and affection. To succeed with all the growth you're about to experience, you must have energy and emotional resources. First of all, we have to disengage with an ex. No matter what, the longer you stay in contact with your ex, the longer it's going to take for you to make progress in moving forward. For this reason, a strict no-contact policy is now in effect. The one exception to this policy is if you are co-parenting children or pets with your ex and need to develop positive communication involving them. Here's the reality of a few of the most common excuses for people who aren't ready to let go. We can still be friends. This is a doomed strategy. Even if the breakup was casual or amicable, people still need to distance themselves to adjust their mindset regarding the relationship so they can truly see someone as a friend instead of an ex. Even if you and your ex want to stay friends, going no contact until you're ready to be friends will help you have a better friendship in the future. I need closure. You need to search within to find closure. 
don't beg for it or demand it from the other person. They still have things at my house. You're not responsible for safeguarding their belongings if they don't make an effort to retrieve them shortly after the breakup. The same rule applies for anything you had at their house. We're still going to see each other anyways. Having a lot of mutual friends, working together, or belonging to the same small community can make running into each other inevitable, and so no contact isn't always practical. If you must communicate for these reasons, only do so when you run into each other, and without any kind of follow-up communication. You don't need to be friendly, but be polite. She says to resist the temptation to initiate contact Rely on friends or family to be your support system. Ask someone to hold you accountable during this fragile period, so you have someone to call when you think you're going to reach out. You can also try writing in a journal every time you feel like calling their number. Also, make sure to take care of yourself and indulge in some fun things just for you. If you neglect yourself, reaching out will be even more tempting. She then talks about grief. Elliot believes contrary to popular belief and cliched lines from movies, time does not heal all wounds. In fact, time can make things worse if you aren't using it wisely. Pain that's left unattended will continue to grow until you're carrying a mountain of unresolved grief and other emotions that affect every other part of your life. This is why it's important to grieve your breakup and go through the entire process of accepting loss. Grief doesn't happen in stages, but in fluid phases. These are shock, great emotion and acceptance. It's common to go back and forth through these phases as it's not a linear process. Shock usually comes with disbelief or an inability to recognise the loss. The mind has a tendency to shut down as a response to traumatic events to protect you from feeling too many emotions at once. The best way to help yourself through this phase is to acknowledge that the relationship is over and you're not returning. Then, turn to resources to help you process the reality as constructively as possible. Next is feeling all the emotions. This is the phase that will differ the most between individuals. People will feel a range of emotions, from absolute devastation to anger and guilt. Depression is also very common after breakups as well as detachment from many aspects of your life. If you're experiencing deep depression or other emotions are making you lose control, it's important to seek help from a therapist. Harming someone or committing vandalism isn't justified just because you're angry about your breakup. And then is acceptance. In this phase, you start to move on and gradually feel at peace about the breakup. Your perspective will change and your priorities will shift both consciously and subconsciously. Upon reaching acceptance, people often seek other changes to help them move forward. Acceptance is a gradual process. Slowly but surely, you'll think about your ex less and you'll have a more balanced view of the relationship. It's then time to take care of yourself. One aspect of this is taking care of your physical self which includes the basics like getting enough sleep and eating a healthy diet. Getting a massage or trying a new exercise routine are also helpful. But this won't give you everything you need. You'll need to incorporate mental self-care to help you come to terms with the breakup and give you the tools to positively express your emotions. 
This is learning positive, life-affirming actions to help you work through your feelings and remind yourself of the fact that you are worthy. First, practice being kind to yourself by changing your self-talk. Use affirmations, short statements designed to create and maintain a positive mindset to help you dictate your thoughts and feelings about yourself instead of leaving it up to your subconscious. Your subconscious picks up on messages around you to define your self-image. If you only hear mostly negative things said about you and you don't know how to generate positive messages from within, you'll have a negative self-image. You can control this by stating reactive or proactive affirmations at least once per day, she says. There are three types of proactive affirmations. One is self-soothing. These allow you to take information you already know and believe about yourself and use it to reassure yourself when you experience anxiety. Examples include, I'm good at my job or I have many accomplishments. Next is image improvement. These encourage positive changes to help you achieve the things you want but don't currently have. These include, I feel at peace with myself or I work on learning something new every day. The third is action affirmations. These help you move towards your goals by reciting steps or actions to yourself. These can include, I'm going to work on exercising every day, and the first step is to schedule 30 minutes of exercise in my first day. Pair your daily affirmations with a weekly date night with yourself. This is your dedicated time to focus on being at peace with yourself. Use this time to take scenic walks, indulge in a pumpering session, or watch your favourite TV show. Whatever feels right for you. Learning to prioritise yourself above everyone else establishes new standards for your future. Tying up loose ends isn't just about making sure your ex picks up their clothes and other belongings from your house. You have some work to do to make sure you're entering the next phase of your life with the right perspective. The grief period will cause you to look back on the relationship through a very specific lens and this tends to give you a skewed view on what the relationship actually was. Without working to change this, your emotions will control you instead of the other way around. Put things in writing to help you balance your perspective. Write an inventory of your relationship or a series of lists to help you analyse the relationship to help you work through your feelings. These can include positive things about the relationship, but not necessarily your ex. Focus on the routines you liked or other fun experiences you had together. Next is five special moments during the relationship that you remember fondly. Also, remember the negative things about the relationship. Positive qualities about your ex that turn negative over time, such as them being neat but criticising you for not being neat. While you shouldn't force yourself to speed through these, it's better to do this within a couple of weeks of the breakup, she says. After you complete the initial set of lists, sit down with your inventory and take notes about the things that hurt you or the things you'll miss about your relationship. Then write a letter to your ex that you will not send. This letter shouldn't act as a chance to air your grievances, but also express forgiveness. Read it out loud to a friend or your therapist. Process your feelings and then say, thank you for the time we spent together and for influencing my life. It's time for me to let you go. Then burn the letter. You are in control of how and when you forgive, but it's an essential step in the healing process. How do you know that you've truly moved on? Well, it's a gradual change. 
It might take you a while to notice it, but eventually you'll realise that you think about many other things without immediately being reminded of your ex. Silence will seem peaceful instead of reminding you of a void. The sun shines a little brighter. Your favourite foods taste as good as you remember them, and you find yourself laughing like a weight has been lifted from your spirit. You might still have some progress to make with your healing, but overall, you're doing well. At this point, it's your choice about whether you want to try and test the dating waters or just enjoy being single and happy. When you're ready to welcome someone into your life as a romantic partner, keep a few things in mind. Remember that dating is supposed to be fun and filled with new opportunities and experiences. If it starts to feel like a drag or obligation, just don't do it. Keep conversations light and focus on listening as much as you talk. Don't bring up your ex, even if your date begins to talk about their ex. Listen to what other people actually say rather than waiting for them to affirm things you're looking for. Go in with an open mind and without a checklist. During the first few dates, you're just trying to figure out if you want to see this person again and not get into a serious relationship with them. Accept rejection with grace and without judging yourself for why another person may or may not be interested in you. It is perfectly normal for some residual grief to rise to the surface when you're trying to date again. Bad dates or even good dates can bring up lingering feelings of longing or hurt. Allow yourself to feel these feelings privately and remind yourself that how you feel about your ex is not a reflection of how you feel about this other person. For every situational moment when you're in pain, you have three choices on how to handle it. Accept it, change it, or leave. For each situation, think through all three options. This will help guide you in the right direction and is incredibly helpful for navigating dating soon after ending a relationship. Real love does not demand you change your priorities. Really being in love makes you willing to change and grow to help the other person grow with you. Real love helps you take all the things you've learnt about yourself and move forward with them, not backward. Real love will also help you make your life even more wonderful. Don't settle for anything less. So to sum up, in Notes on Heartbreak, Lord rediscovers herself and starts to make all these realisations about the many ways in which she lost herself and didn't take care of herself throughout her relationship. This journey back to your own self is the essence of dealing with heartbreak. Elliot says in Getting Past Your Breakup that in the long run, going through a breakup can be highly beneficial to you. Instead of ignoring the situation or addressing it in a self-destructive manner, Use it as an opportunity to take a good look at your life. Learn how to be happy with yourself first before embarking on a new romance. She recommends finding a hobby that you enjoy. Heartbreak is universal, but it can be experienced in different thresholds and the pain can be subjective. But having a support network during this time I've found to be key. Please join in on the conversation by following at How To Be 24-7 on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and subscribe on the podcast, which can be found via www.howtobe247.com. Also, please vote for us at the People's Choice Podcast Awards by July the 31st. The link can be found on the website. Please do leave a review if you found this helpful and you want to be featured. 
Thanks to essayist Paul Zakazuski, host of the podcast The Book I Had to Write, for your lovely comments, saying, Her show reminds me of true classics like On Being. Remember to check out Patreon for exclusive unseen bonus material from every single interview, or for the price of a coffee. And don't forget to check out the new website. Before we go, here's Brian on his thoughts on heartbreak. See you next week. I think my heartbreak came in 2017, shortly after I began treatment for bipolar disorder. It was the pain of years of feeling like there was something wrong with me. Uh, it was a reflection of those times where uh, loved ones tried to get close to me and I, I couldn't let them. This consistent feeling of not being able to be loved and feel those connections, share those sincere connections was, was terrible. It made me reflect deeply on who I was and how to proceed going forward. When I first started the treatment, I started making it a point to lean in to those loved ones, to try to be honest about feelings, to stem the loneliness I often felt. I changed my surroundings, moved across the country to try to rediscover myself and if there was any room for healing for myself and others. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.